This is the Mason Vera Pain Show, your go-to lifestyle program, covering everything from technology and gaming to movies, TV shows, and pop culture to the supernatural and beyond. Brought to you from Chicago, USA, with your host, the unabridged millennial, Mason Vera Payne. Mason Vera Payne here live from the NVP studios in Chicago, and thank you for tuning in. COVID-19 put a halt to movie productions and even just going to the movies. Theaters are starting to slowly open back up. And joining me to speak about the effect COVID-19 has on the entertainment industry and other movie news is managing editor at Fandango.com, Eric Davis. Thanks for joining me, Eric. Thanks for having me. All right. COVID-19. Everybody's talking about it. What about permanent changes to the industries and especially movie industries? Like, Do you think it has changed it forever or is it going to be temporary things? I think it's still too early to tell what kind of long-lasting changes we'll see from the effects of COVID-19. I think what we've seen so far is that while while many theaters were closed, some studios decided to take films that would have arrived in theaters and, and they brought them home for people who were uh, under quarantine, for people who were stuck in their homes. They were made available for, for a premium rental fee of uh, $19.99. We've seen films... Uh, like Trolls World Tour and Scoob uh, and The King of Staten Island and most recently Irresistible, um, do take that approach. Uh, but that being said, all of the you know the biggest films, those blockbusters uh, that you're used to seeing on the big screen, uh, those have been postponed uh, because studios still want you to experience them on the big screen, as do the filmmakers behind those films. And so, um, you know, what what happens? Uh, once things go back to normal and, and when that is, uh, we still don't know. So it's hard for me to tell you that um, this specific change or that specific change is something that's going to become permanent because we're still living in a very temporary time period right now uh, where things are just in flux. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I can't help but to think last year how Netflix had so much flack for doing limited runs of their movies just so that they could get into award shows just to be nominated. And now, what about now? It just goes to prove that people were willing to watch it from home and it's still a valid movie. It's, do you think that'll change too? Well, you know, I, I, I think when it comes to awards, uh, uh, many of the big awards shows, including the Golden Globes and the Oscars, uh, the Oscars just moved back two months, uh, have said that they are allowing films that have gone straight to streaming or films that weren't able to screen in theaters. Uh, They're allowing them uh, to, to be in contention for the awards because it is such a, um, a, a weird period of time. And it's not the fault of uh, these filmmakers or their studios that uh, they couldn't necessarily screen in theaters. And so the Oscar eligibility date has moved back to the end of February, which is very interesting. Uh, and the ceremony itself has moved back now to the end of April. Um, and so we'll see how that shakes out when it comes to award season. But now, you know, that opens the door for a streaming service um, to not necessarily have to screen their films in theaters in order for them to be eligible. But that's just for next year's or this year's awards uh, ceremony, you know, the, the films that are in contention for 2020 and then into the first couple of months of 2021. What, what's going to happen beyond that? Um, you know, we, we don't know. Um, 
but uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I think that um, the theatrical experience is still something that is very, very important uh, to so many people, to so many moviegoers, to so many filmmakers, to so many people who work at the major studios, uh, and even to the people at the streaming services. You know, you, you mentioned Netflix. Netflix uh, went and bought uh, the Paris Theater in New York, and then they also bought into a theater in uh, Los Angeles. And so, you know, they, they are very, uh, they value that theatrical experience, too. Um, when Martin Scorsese's The Irishman arrived, uh, they, they rented out a, a screen on Broadway and, and played it. So um, I think, there, I think the, the theatrical experience is still something that is very valued um, by so many people around the world. And I think that once we kind of are able to move past this time uh, in our history, I think that is still going to be an experience that is very much uh, valued and, um, and, and an experience that people are going to want to have uh, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing like going to a theater, especially a nice one where you can recline backwards and have your legs up and they bring you a beer. I mean, you can't get that anywhere else. And uh, well, you probably could get it at home, but it's kind of fun doing it outside. Yeah. And I think what people uh, a lot of people have been stuck in their houses for months uh, and I and they're going to want to get out and, and enjoy uh, entertainment again. And I think that that goes for the movies that goes for going to a concert that goes for going to a sports event. Um, and so I, I think that, sure, there's something to be said for uh, getting a film at home and watching it at home, but you want options. You don't want to have to watch every single movie and TV show at home. You know, I, I think that you want options to watch it uh, exhibited in other places, whether that's a drive-in, whether that's a, a movie theater, or, or whether that you're setting up a, a screen in, on a swimming pool and watching Jaws. Whatever the situation is, I think that, you know, you want to uh, experience this stuff uh, in different ways and not just uh, be told that you can only experience it uh, on your television at home. Matt, I'm so glad you brought in drive-ins because there is only one near my area. And since COVID-19 has happened, a lot more just kind of spurred up. And my sister took her kids to a drive-in and they absolutely love it. And I, I'm so excited that they were able to experience it because my sister and I have such wonderful memories of drive-ins that are currently just demolished. They don't exist. I think that's one of the, the, the sweet things about this period is that um, sort of some of those old traditions like drive-ins, for many people, their local drive-in disappeared uh, a long time ago. And uh, the, the, the upcoming generation does not know what that experience is. They, you know, they, maybe they see images from the 60s or 70s or 50s, but they don't, they, they've never experienced it. And so uh, that's, it's awesome to hear you say that, that uh, the younger generation now can grow up and say, no, I experienced the drive-in. It was during this really weird time in my life um, that was crazy, and we were under quarantine, but it was super cool to be able to experience that uh, and to see what that that's like. So uh, I hope I hope more people and I hope more families are experiencing that driving uh, experience because I think it's cool and it's different. And uh, and hopefully if there's something really good that comes out of it, uh, it's the drive in movie theaters that uh, we see have a resurgence and um, and become popular again and, and do well. A lot of them are mom and pop shops. You know, they're they're not owned by giant businesses and corporations. Uh, they're people that just love movies so much and they work tirelessly around the clock 
to keep these drive-ins operational. Uh, and so it's it's good to see that those people are being rewarded right now. Now, I know earlier you said that some movie production has been pushed back. Could you give an example of that? Well, some yeah, some productions, you know, production halted uh, for all of Hollywood, for movies and television. And so uh, now I think that there are some that are trying to, to kick up and, and get going for, for the middle of July. But, you know, when you halt production uh, for three some odd months, uh, that's gonna that's gonna change a lot of things, and it's gonna affect timelines, and so uh, and it's schedules, and and I mean, it, there's all kinds of complications there, and so you know, we've seen a number of films that were supposed to come out this year that have moved into 2021, uh, and we've seen some films that were supposed to come out into 2021 that have moved into 2022. Uh, a lot of the films that were coming out this year, uh, the Ghostbusters film this summer. Um, Morbius, the the Jared Leto film, Spiral, the the uh, Saw film, the new Saw movie, was supposed to come out in the fall, in the Heights, uh, the the musical adaptation of uh, the Lin Manuel Miranda uh, uh, Broadway show, Jungle Cruise, was supposed to come out at the end of this month. A lot of these films have now shifted into 2021, and then you see films like Thor: Love and Thunder, or Doctor Strange 2, or The Matrix 4. Uh, or John Wick 4 that were all supposed to come out next year have now shifted to 2022. And a lot of that is due to just production timelines now being completely shifted due to uh, COVID. Now, one of the movies I want to speak about, because I saw it on Twitter and it blew up for a while, it's Justice League and specifically the Snyder Cut. What do you think of this? You know, I am always in support of filmmakers uh, and filmmakers that have specific vision, and I'm always in support of that vision being told uh, because that's, you know, I think that's important. Um, And so, you know, Zack Snyder had had very unfortunate things happen in his life um, when he was making Justice League. His daughter committed suicide. Um, He had to leave that project, and another director, Josh Whedon, had to take over it. And for something as big and historic as a Justice League movie, that fans have been waiting for to see for so long. Um, you know, that's a really unfortunate thing to happen to that film. And because of it, I think the results, uh, it wasn't received very well critically. It wasn't received uh, very well um, from, from some fans too, because it just felt like a hodgepodge of director visions. And I think that Zack Snyder has been very vocal about how his version of Justice League was very different. In, in some ways, to the to the version that we saw theatrically. And so I think a lot of fans use that as to begin a movement to see his his cut of the film. And this is something that uh, is not new to, to DC movies. We saw it with uh, Richard Donner and, and Superman 2. Uh, he had a, a cut that was different from the version that hit theaters. And then years later, we got to see uh, the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2 um, that arrived on home video. So... You know, and for a lot of fans of DC movies, Zack Snyder is sort of like the godfather of the, this new era of DC movies. You know, he ushered in Man of Steel. Uh, he, he helped craft uh, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and, and Justice League. So a lot of people sort of see Zack Snyder as the architect, so to speak, of this new DC extended universe. Uh, and so there's a lot of loyalty there. A lot of fans are loyal to him and his vision, and they want to see his cut. And when you're out there sort of teasing that you have all of these, this, this different stuff, 
then of course you're going to get you're going to light a fire under fans. Uh, and they began a movement, and they were very loud and very vocal and very supportive of Zack Snyder uh, and HBO and uh, and Warner Brothers as they're they're launching this HBO Max streaming service. Uh, they were smart in saying, you know, we're going to invest uh, a lot, uh, some money, a, a good good chunk of money into um, bringing back some people from the production and putting together Zack Snyder's cut of the film. And so uh, that's going to be released, I believe, sometime next year on HBO Max. Uh, whether we see it, uh, some fan screenings around the country, I don't know. Hopefully we do, because it would also be cool to see that on the big screen. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just a, a story of fa- fans a fan movement and uh, whether or not that's going to now spark a lot of other fan movements and other cuts of films. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, But in in this case, it it worked. Yeah, because I couldn't help but to think of World War Z with Matthew Fox, how he had that one scene in that movie and then you never saw him again. And it turns out that he had like an intricate part of the story and they changed it completely. So World War Z, the movie with Brad Pitt, what we saw and what was supposed to be done are two different things. I want to see the original cut of World War Z. Do you think that now that we've done the, the Snyder one, that we're going to see a, a, all these other movies jump up and say, hey, we got our own versions that we didn't put out? I mean, I don't know if there are enough fans. Uh, you know, I think the Snyder cut happened because of the fans, of the fan demand. Uh, I don't necessarily know how many people are demanding to see that alternate cut of World War Z. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. They said, I, I like what they did with World War Z. I love uh, the ending of that film uh, because it takes it from such a big, you know, thousands of zombies running all over the place. And it, and it distills it down to a very quiet, you know, thriller. And I really like, I kind of liked the change that that film took. Uh, at the at the end, and, and I thought it had a very powerful ending and a very effective ending, um, because sometimes when you have thousands of CGI zombies, you're not scared anymore. Uh, but when they changed the ending of that film and it made it like one person trying to get through an obstacle course of craziness, uh, that was cool to me. Uh, that's when it's really scary, um, uh, in my terms, with zombie zombie movies. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. You we'll see what happens. You know, I know there's a lot of people that. Um, that love the Alita movie uh, and, and want to see a sequel to that. So there's a bit of a, of a fan base uh, for that. Uh, there's a fan base to see uh, uh, David Ayer, the Suicide Squad director, says that his version of Suicide Squad was different than what we saw. So there's a little bit of momentum to see what that looks like. But, you know, for a lot of these alternate cuts, the studios have to uh, sink in millions of dollars in order to, to you know, uh, correct it and and feel confident about what they're going to put out there um, as a sort of quote-unquote cut of a film. And, uh, you know, what's it going to take for them to do that? Uh, You know, I think the Snyder Cut fans were really loud for a very long time. And then we find, and as was the cast of the film. So I think you have to have a lot of different ingredients involved in order for a studio to release uh, a, a separate cut of a film. And also that, that studio also has to acknowledge the fact that something went wrong with the other cut uh, that they have to release this new cut. And uh, studios don't necessarily want to acknowledge that, that, that there was uh, something happened there and, and, um, and there was mistakes that were made. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know how much and how often we'll see it, but um, it's definitely interesting to see that it worked 
uh, when it comes to uh, justices. And you know what? You're right. It does affect the continuity. I mean, moving forward, will Justice League now follow the Snyder cut or will it continue with the mess of Justice League? So which is it? And then if that's the case, can we get redos of other things? You know, then we can have a much better cohesive series. I don't know. Well, it'll be, you know, that's an interesting uh, thought is, you know, if there are story aspects and characters that are introduced in Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League, um, that's different from the theatrical Justice League, then where does the storyline continue and what what version of it do we see? Uh, you know, news, recent news suggests that DC is going to start exploring their multiverse. Uh, we've seen it on television with the Flash uh, and the Arrowverse. And now uh, there's news that Michael Keaton is going to reprise his role as Bruce Wayne Batman uh, in the next Flash movie as a way to introduce this multiverse uh, where there's this other universe of characters. Um, you know, we're seeing Marvel starting to play with it as well. So that's going to be the next big trend in superhero movies for both DC and Marvel is exploring these multiverses and having fun with how they bring in characters from other, other universes. And so Marvel, we may see them do it with the X-Men or the Fantastic Four uh, for DC we're going to see them bring back Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne and Batman, and maybe we'll see them do something else. I don't know. But that is a way for all of these different movies to exist, sort of in that same universe, um, but have different characters and different storylines and different people playing those characters. Uh, you know, you throw multiverse on there, you can really do whatever, whatever you want. And you know what? I like that you say multiverse because I'm listening and I'm thinking to myself, isn't this just a reboot? You're just changing the story a little bit and then kind of slap multiverse on top of it. And then, boom, it's cohesive now. Well, I mean, the multiverse is something that has been around in comic books for a very, very long time. And people who read comics, they understand it um, even as and I mean, it's a way for comics to to bring characters back to life and to revisit old storylines. And, you know, uh, the comics sort of created this multiverse um, to have like a no-holds-barred kind of uh, way to tell stories. And I think it's it's definitely confusing, for sure, without a doubt. Uh, but people who read comics, they understand it and they become big fans of it. Uh, movie audiences aren't as used to the multiverse and the rules of the multiverse. So it'll be very interesting to see how studios um, decide to, uh, to approach it. See, then that's where I get confused, because I remember growing up one-shots, and Batman and Spider-Man was my favorite one-shot, and it was like a big you know, graphic novel, and they Batman and Spider-Man, they did their thing together, but it had nothing to do with either universe, and it was just kind of like we're just putting these two superheroes together, enjoy it while it's there. Um, but the multiverse is kind of like you're taking these characters and they have their own storyline that's separate outside of the main storyline. And it gets kind of convoluted only because there are multiverse numbers. So you can even go by what number they are. I don't know. It does get quite confusing for me. And translating that into a movie, I think to myself, I would I would much rather keep it simple and just call it a reboot. <laughs> Yeah, you, you just got to be careful with it. You know, I, I look at a film like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the animated movie. Uh, that introduced the multiverse in, in some really fun ways. Yeah. And it wasn't that confusing for people. 
Um, and it was so successful that it won an Oscar. So I think it's just about the way that you tell that story um, and just and just distill it down so it's not as confusing for people. Um, and you can do it. And Into the Spider-Verse was so much fun. It was so much fun to see all these different Spider-Mans um, and how they kind of all came to be from different time periods. Uh, and that was a lot. That was a lot of fun to watch. So uh, I think it all comes down to the storytelling uh, and the way that you tell that story. Because you know, a multiverse, uh, you could you could do so much with it, and uh, but you really only have an hour and a half, two hours uh, to tell a story and get audiences to comprehend what's happening. So we'll see. For for the Marvel Studios, uh, that Doctor Strange sequel will probably be their the the big multiverse um, film for them. Uh, and then DC, it looks like the Flash is going to play with uh, the multiverse. So we'll see how these how these studios begin to introduce it to the films. Maybe we'll get a little bit of it. Maybe we'll get a lot of it. Some in some cases, um, but I think it's interesting because uh, comic book movies they have to evolve. They have to continue to change themselves and give you a different experience uh, in order for them to remain some of the more successful films that we see these days. Uh, and so I think. Um, you know, I think a lot of creators are looking at these multiverses and saying, this is how we sustain uh, these, this genre and the popularity of it. Uh, and, um, and so they're going to start exploring that. And we'll see if they are right. Since we're on the topic of reboot slightly, Twister. Twister is getting its own reboot. And I'm kind of, Bill Paxton was beautiful in that movie. Why are we rebooting Twister? Yeah, it is interesting to see Twister. You know, Twister was one of those films that uh, ushered in um, some groundbreaking special effects. And it's a film that a lot of people look back fondly of. Um, but, you know, I think with uh, I, what I, I've spoken a little bit about this Twister remake, and the director is Joseph Kaczynski, who's doing the Top Gun, the next Top Gun movie. And so, uh, you know, these kinds of times that we're living in with climate change and storms being a lot more powerful than maybe they were previously. Uh, th that could be an access point for Twister. Um, they could kind of uh, bring it into modern modern era. And, you know, the first film was so groundbreaking with its special effects, and, and it was so long ago. So just imagine what they can do now. Um, that being said, we also are living in an age where uh, we saw several Sharknado films <laughs> with shark, shark tornadoes. And so how do you continue to shock people and scare people and surprise people with a film uh, like Twister uh, after you've had several Sharknado movies. You know, I think the original Twister came at a time when it was groundbreaking uh, and there weren't any films like it. Uh, that Now we've seen a lot of films like it. We've seen tons of natural disaster movies and they don't necessarily shock us anymore. So um, I think the way, the access point for, for Twister, in my opinion, is to have it address uh, the, the climate change and, and, and how that has affected storms and how that has affected the people that chase these storms. Um, that, to me, is an interesting vantage point or POV for that film. I don't know if that's what they're doing, um, but that's what I would personally like. Now, some states are going into phase four. Finally, everything is going to start opening up, and movie theaters is one of them. So for people who want to watch something in July, are there any movies coming out then? There, there will be some smaller films that are coming out to theaters. Um, and one thing that I want to mention for Fandango is that we've introduced a whole program 
for health and safety procedures when it comes to theaters as they reopen. So uh, go to the Fandango app, go to the uh, Fandango website on your computer, uh, and you'll find a guide, an A to Z guide of uh, over 100 movie theater chains, what their health and safety policies are. You can reserve your tickets uh, in advance and see how you are socially distanced from people in the theater. Uh, there's an expanded search filter uh, that shows you where you can just look at the open theaters that are around you. So there's a lot of things that Fandango put into place to sort of be this one-stop shop uh, in terms of information that you need before you go back to the movies. So I definitely want to put that out there for people. Um, if you are looking to go to the movies in July and theaters are opening up by you, there are a couple of films. There's a film called Unhinged with Russell Crowe. Uh, which is sort of like a, a road rage gone wild uh, kind of movie um, that you can check out. It's a thriller about um, a guy that, you know, gets into a road rage situation with a woman and then starts stalking that woman and making her life a living hell. Um, there's also a film produced by Selena Gomez called The, the Broken Hearts Gallery. Uh, that is another one that will um, uh, be, be, uh, be available. Uh, that film is uh, about uh, a girl who has a breakup and she starts to uh, uh, decides to start a gallery where people can leave trinkets from their past relationships. And so that's sort of like a, a rom-com uh, in that respect. Uh, July 24th is supposed to be Disney's Mulan. That's supposed to be the big, the first big wide theatrical release. Uh, I don't necessarily know if we're going to see that. Uh, make that date. We'll see, depending on how the country reopens. Um, Tenet, the Christopher Nolan movie that was supposed to open up on July 31st, has moved over to August 12th as of this conversation. So um, I think August, uh, probably a little bit more uh, in terms of bigger movies. They have uh, uh, Bill and Ted 3, Bill and Ted Face the Music. They also have a Gerard Butler film called Greenland in August. Um, and so we'll, we'll have to see how it all shakes out. But yeah, there are some smaller films coming out in July. Uh, keep, there's another one called The Outpost uh, coming out as well. So keep an eye out at your local theater, and you'll, you'll probably start seeing some newer titles there. Uh, but those big movies, uh, the ones that everybody feels like they got to go see, uh, those continue to move back a bit uh, to allow, to allow uh, more theaters to open up around the country. So um, I really, I think it's kind of day by day and week by week. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I keep updating with, with a, a schedule just so you can see where everything is falling into place and where it's all opening. Um, and then uh, we'll, we'll have to keep talking, Mason, and, and, and I'll keep updating you on, on what's to come. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you being here. For those listening, where can they find more information about you? Uh, you can find me over at Fandango and, and on Twitter at Eric Davis, uh, Eric with a K. And uh, that's where I'm posting about all of these updated releases and, and uh, a good place to, to check out to get all the latest information when it comes to the movies that are opening near you. This has been the Mason Vera Payne Show. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to hear more? Head to WGNRadio.com for exclusive content by Mason. Also, follow Mason on Facebook and Twitter at Mason Vera Payne. That's all one word. And don't forget to share the show with your friends. 